I need to get that projector screen going again. Yeah, I've never. I've watched like last thing I watched on there was like an Oregon football game in like December. So it's coming, man. Uh, yeah, All yeah. season's coming. Uh, Ohio State. Ohio State. The second week of the season gonna be a lot of fun. Oh yeah, that will be fun. Nope. Right now, the first car one lap down is Brad and Joe. Hi, I'm stupid. Hi, I'm stupid. Oh, come on. You know what? Ah. I race this hard for last in my life. All right, welcome to the show with Brad and Joe. It is lap 35. Welcome to the show. One Lap Down podcast. And Brad, even though we live in the same house together, we can't seem to find a good time to record except 1030 at night. This is yeah. this is becoming this a time bad of year, trend. Man. This, I remember <laughs> when some of those first episodes that we recorded and I was so tired. I remember just like, like drinking coffee, hanging on in the middle. Like it was the middle of the day too. We would record at like 11 a.m. But, you know, here we are. So, you know, enjoying it. Still can't find a way to record on microphone. So for those of you listening, I'm on Zoom in the living room and Joe's on Zoom in the basement. That's right. And I'm sporting my number 12, thanks to Brad and the discount section of Texas Motor Speedway. Hey, man, uh, that's a good looking shirt. Don't don't quantify it, it as the discount section. I'm just better, saying. Better than that bootleg Brian Blaney shirt that you got. <laughs> It is. I, I do. I do agree with you on that. Um, we're going to talk about Ryan Blaney, of course, coming up. But this week we decided to switch up our order a little bit. And we're going to talk about some IndyCar racing at uh, Worldwide Technologies Raceway. It is American. Whoops. What's it called? Open Wheeled American Madness. I got it. I'm done. Man, those f- retards are ridiculous. They they go so fast. This is stupid. I can't even push the power down. Him and the f- truck just came up. They leave that big piece of track just sitting there. Now look what happened. What the f- Dad, please just let me drive the car. Thank you. All right, we were in St. Louis-ish area, Madison, Illinois, specifically for the IndyCar series this past weekend and uh, Oval, the last on the calendar brad and i watched it as it happened and man it is to me it is phenomenal watching those cars maneuver the way they do around an oval track because sometimes oval racing can be boring but indycar seems to make it uh pretty exciting for me anyway how about you yeah i mean it was it was fun and we we rewatched the whole race on monday or uh, i guess on, on sunday when we got back right we were watching it that evening but I uh, was at a wedding and we went out to a, a brewery afterwards and hoping to catch them before closing time. And sure enough, we did big screen with the Indy car race on. So we got to watch like the last 60 laps and uh, enjoyed all of that. And it, it was, it, it really is. I mean, it, nothing boring about these ovals. I mean, you've got, yeah, I, like we've talked about before, like it's been so fun to get into it after watching a lot of NASCAR, watching a lot of Formula One, and then seeing a lot of the both sides of those coming out, you know, becoming IndyCar fans where, you know, the, the tire strategy, the fuel strategy. And then, I mean, especially at this one, right, they're talking about going into one car- corner. I turn one, what they said is room for about one and a half cars. We, had, yeah. we saw a few wrecks there in turn one. And, you know, I, I liked it. I enjoyed watching the race and 
Um, you know, I think we'll we'll get to it, but evidently not many people did turn tune in to watch the race, right? Something yeah, that I you tweeted out earlier today. I think we're going to share our low side uh, together based on our conversation earlier this evening, but uh, we'll get to that later. But before we get into the negatives, let's talk about the positives and let's talk about Roman Grosjean and his ability to pick up oval racing and his first one ever as an open wheel driver. Um, I was extremely impressed that one sequence where he passed four guys uh, in about three or four laps was incredible the way that he was able to push it bad luck at the end with the caution flag to end up putting him a lap down and uh, just never had a chance to make up for that. But, you know, he, even as a lap down, he was starting in the top 10 in that last restart and stayed technically by car in the top five, the rest of the way. So he had top five speed and top five drive. I think it's phenomenal. Um, I think some people will downplay it because they still want to pick on him for being so-so uh, F1 driver, but you know what? It looks like he's got a good car and therefore his real prowess to be a driver, a good driver is showing like it never could yeah. in F1. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. We were talking about that watching the race, right. And kind of had that stint where he got held up. I think he had a penalty, right. Speed in pit lane. And so they had to, they hold him up and, you know, just watching him work through the field. It was, it was awesome. A lot of fun to watch that. And, you know, ends up being 14th and good little segue here to read out our top 10. Uh, like we were talking about at Rome. Actually, let's read the top 14 in honor of, of uh, <laughs> what were they called? Uh, Roman Grosjean on the, yeah. on the broadcast. We'll, we'll start uh, with the guy that's a lap down, just like us. Right. There we go. Yeah, that's what, you know, shouts out to <laughs> Romain Grosjean, the epitome of the blue flag boys. Uh, and 14th. And then 13th, Tony Kanaan. 12th, we've got Dalton Kellett. I believe his first race in IndyCar. Is that right? I mean, uh, it was not his first, but one of his best finishes. Definitely. Well, there we go. Uh, I remember that, that name coming up a little bit. Connor Daly in 11th. Now we're in our top 10. Jack Harvey with a good top 10 finish there at 10th. Marcus Erickson at 9th. Simon Pagano at 8th. 7th place, Ryan Hunter Ray. 6th place, Takuma Sato. 5th place, Sebastian Bourdais. We've got 4th place, Scott McLaughlin. 3rd place, Will Power. 2nd, Pato Award. And the winner at the Bomberito Automotive Group 500, Joseph Newgarden, our American boy getting it done outside St. Louis. Second win of the year for Joseph Newgarden. And the thing that I'm interested in now, if you can find it and pull it up, tell us about the standings because, man, they got tight. Uh, similar to Ro Grosjean's car at certain points in time, but – Pelot being taken out, Dixon being taken out. It has changed immensely after one weekend. It is wild, right? I mean, it's just it's it's one of those things too, where gosh, like like there is so much skill involved and then so much luck as well. And we've watched Alex Pelot two weeks in a row now out of the race with the DNF, no fault of his own. Oh. You know, getting wrecked in this one, and then you know his engine just blowing up in the previous race. Uh, really disappointing for him, and now he sits in second place. So. And we've got three races left in the IndyCar season. Pato Awards in the lead now with 435 points. Ten points behind. 425 now is Alex Pillow. And then just 12 points behind them, Joseph Newgarden. These couple of wins a little getting he hot lately. He was 55 points behind when the race yeah. started. Think about that. And, that. and now he is in the mix. You know, always in the mix. We're talking about about another 20, 21 points behind them. Again, 
one one tricky turn away from a couple of those drivers going out. And Scott Dixon's back in the mix at 392. Marcus Erickson in there right now, sitting at fifth with 375. Then we've got Colton Herta at 324. And then it starts to get a little bunched up uh, down after that. Pagano, Ray Hall, Power, uh, Sato, VK, Rossi, McLaughlin, Harvey, Grosjean. Like really interesting, right? That top 15 drivers of the season. And, uh, you know, I think that we're going to, I really think we're going to have drama all the way through the final race, um, you know, as we go through, you know, these next few ones. So really into it. I look back at when we started the season and we had, Jason McCormick join us and preview how excited he was. How it was really up in the air and couldn't have been more right, man. We've got yeah. uh, you know, the, the Grand Prix of Portland coming up as our next race. That'll be in September 12th. Uh, then a week after that, we're going uh, the Grand Prix of Monterey. And then one week after that, the season finale, uh, September 26th at Long Beach. I know we talked about it on here. Not like NASCAR, not doing a playoff, but you know, just going to be points at the end of that Long Beach race. So I think it comes down to... Uh, a battle on the beach. I think so too. I think it's going to be just what IndyCar needs to wrap up a really uh, successful year. And I found those notes from that first show with Jason uh, when I was packing up. So we're going to bring those puppies back out when the season's over and see how accurate Jason was about the things to watch for uh, nice. later on in the, in the year. So that'd be, that'd be something fun. So as Brad said, a couple of weeks before they're back on the uh, road course circuit, they're going to be out West to finish out the season in IndyCar, always on NBC or NBCSN. So hopefully you can tune in to that in a couple of weeks time. Until then, we're going to go from the arch up to the Great Lakes into Michigan for some NASCAR conversation. It's showtime. Boogity, boogity, boogity. All right, it was time for the rest of the field to see if they could end the drought, or excuse me, end the streak by the Ford Motor Company drivers. Uh, Kevin Harvick had won three of the last four at Michigan, including back-to-back races last year during COVID. Ford had won six straight races at Michigan, and thanks to my boy, Ryan Blaney, it continues, baby. All day long, we saw nothing but Chevys and Toyotas up front. But at the end of the day, Blaney got around his girlfriend's boyfriend or his sister's boyfriend. I'm sorry, and uh, was, I was able to say to... his girlfriend's boyfriend. Man, Ooh, really yeah, drama. Yeah, <laughs> able to get around Byron, hold him off. Him and Kyle Larson both, uh, and picks up his sixth win ever uh, in the Cup Series. His first time in the Cup Series, winning two races in one season. And did you know? Thanks to NASCAR Twitter today. Over the last seven races, no one has a higher finish average than Ryan Blaney. So really taking some, yeah, even Kyle Larson. Uh, who's well, he's got like, he's, he's to be the number one guy at Penske right now, right? He's the hottest one. He's got, I, he, you know, we, we've got a, my guy, Brad Kay, is on his way out. So he's not going to get the priority. I mean, right. you got to feel like, I mean, if you're Team Penske, that's the driver you prioritize at the moment. I, for sure. Definitely with the momentum going into – uh, this last weekend before the playoffs of Daytona, somebody who's a really good plate racer to begin with. Uh, so that could be, you know, a huge factor. But, yeah, he's got the momentum. It's been a long time since Joey or Brad won a race. Uh, and to your point, Brad's not getting the best of the, the team because he's on his way out. So they don't want to give him too many tidbits before he leaves and goes to Roush Fenway. So, uh, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic at the moment. 
but at least for a couple more days, I can keep wearing this shirt and be happy about <laughs> the guy from High Point, North Carolina, uh, winning again and uh, providing some discounts at flagandanthem.com as well for some of his clothes. So there you go. Uh, that's, that's helpful too. But let's run down the top 10. There were other drivers, of course, out there. And uh, then 10th, it was Martin Truex Jr., who battled a really rough start, was actually way back in the 30s after some contact on the first couple laps and battled back for a top 10 finish. Brad Kay finishing ninth after a uh, very Decent. Decent. intriguing moment after stage two that we'll get to in just a moment. Uh, Chase Elliott finishing eighth after being up front most of the day. Kyle Busch able to finish seventh with some damage on his right front uh, tire or excuse me, part of his car. Matty D is really putting in the best efforts he can to make sure that he gets a job next year uh, somewhere. Yet another top 10 finish, finishing sixth this weekend, representing the Wood Brothers very well in Michigan. Denny Hamlin in fifth place, followed by Kurt Busch coming up there into fourth. Someone else who kind of, some people would say, lucked into the playoffs, but has picked up some momentum heading into uh, the postseason in a couple of weeks. Kyle Larson finishes third after starting on the pole. William Byron started 18th and finishes second. And then Ryan Blaney with his sixth sixth trip to victory lane in his career, uh, started third place, suffered some issues early, but kept his wits about him and picks up the victory from Michigan International. And uh, again, Ford and victory lane for the seventh straight time. So they win the Heritage Trophy as well uh, amongst the manufacturers. All right, let's get to that moment with Austin Dillon. Uh, I, Brad, I don't know how much of the race you actually watched, but I know you saw that part, but I watched mm-hmm. the whole thing and Austin Dillon had a great car. He probably made some mistakes when he was battling for the lead and was told that he could, he was clear of Larson and didn't pull up in front of him. Uh, but nevertheless, he's battling for some stage points because he's trying to be one of the last drivers in. In fact, there's only one spot open. Kevin Harvick clinched. Uh, the second to last spot in the playoffs last week. So it's just Reddick and Dylan uh, at RCR with a chance to get in and uh, battling your boy, Brad K to the finish line and uh, Brad K pushed him to the bottom. Austin Dillon did finish in front. So he got those, that one extra stage point, but then came back up on the track. Brad didn't give way. And he goes around with a hard hit face first, if you will, hood first uh, into the, into the wall. Yeah. Um, have you seen, the tweet from Brad Kay and his remorse for what happened? I have not. I have not. And you're asking me like that, like, like, you know, that I haven't seen it. So enlighten me, Joe. I'm just, I, I, I can't say word for word, but I, I just thought it was very interesting when you watch the replay, when you see the effort that was made, you know, to, to get to the finish line. Um, you know, it's hard to pick who I think is at fault there. You know, Austin should have known that he wasn't clear yet, but Brad also maybe deserves some blame because once you cross the finish line, just back off or move up and let yeah. him back on the track. Um, yeah. But he he was he was very remorseful on Twitter about the you know what happened. It certainly wasn't on purpose, uh, and said that he would actually do it differently if he had a chance to do it again, which is not typically a race car driver's way of going about things uh, when they turn out like that. But I think you got to factor in all the things that it affected for. Uh, Austin. And and certainly if I was in that position, whether I meant to or not, I would feel pretty bad about what just happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, NASCAR.com's got Austin Dillon projected to finish 17th, you know, had that, had he finished that race in the car that he was in, 
you know, maybe he gets enough points to sneak in. Maybe he wins. I don't know. You know, it's in, it's it, it's hard to say for sure. But uh, yeah, you know, as long as the season is though, I, I yeah, it's it seems like it cost him a spot in the playoffs because of this one race. But you, know, you earn your spot in the playoff over a series of races. So you know, if this would have happened in the second race of the season, people wouldn't have been talking about it the same way. So right. you know, I think it's added drama because it, it was so late and he's fighting for his spot in the playoffs, but. If you want to make the playoffs, don't wait until the last couple of races. I mean, that's the simple, that's the simple <laughs> fact of the matter. Same goes for you, Denny and Kevin and Tyler Reddick yeah. <laughs> and all these people, right? You know, I like pins it. and needles this week, right? You know, I think Denny's yeah. safely in, but you got to feel like Tyler Reddick, Kevin Harvick and Austin Dillon are all sitting there, you know, just kind of wondering what's going to happen. Well, Kevin is clinched based on points. He does, he does have one of those spots. He has big so. enough lead. Yeah, he wrapped that up last week okay. uh, with his finish. And obviously, Denny is in just without a win. Um, but it's it really comes down to Austin or Reddick. Austin's a pretty good plate racer. They're going to Daytona, 7 o'clock Saturday night under the lights in Florida. It's going to be a great atmosphere to be a part of. Uh, and certainly one of those tracks that you just on pins and needles all the time because all it takes is a big gust of wind or a, a twitch of the steering wheel and there's a huge crash. Uh, we saw that happen a couple times in February. Uh, so great drama building up to a dramatic finish to the regular season. Very much looking forward to it uh, when it does get here this Saturday night. It's going to be a fun time. Again, check it out on NBC. You can also listen to the race on MRN, the voice of NASCAR. Uh, it's going to be a good time for sure as we get ready for the playoffs uh, the following week. So with Matt, that. Matt DiBenedetto is going to win. Matt D is going to win. Oh, we have a prediction for the first time in a long time. Okay. I want, I want to see. Matt Benedetto get the win, get himself in the playoffs, knock out both of those guys out of the out of the contention and, and secure a seat for next year. That's what I want to see. I think that's a very good choice, actually. Again, somebody else who's good at those bigger tracks, those plate races. Um, if I'm, you need if him, I'm gonna, it's his career. He's driving it, for his career. You're so right. Yep. Yep. Because he doesn't. Anyway, he doesn't have the sponsorship that some have to just you know, be a, a big time option for some of those companies that still have a spot open and, and you know, 2311 is not going to bring him over there. So they'll bring Kurt Busch if anything else. So yeah, that's a good point. He's driving for his career at this point. I don't know if he'll ever be able to get back into a cup series car full time if he doesn't figure it out uh, between now and then. So uh, very good point. Yep. Something to look forward to. I'll go off the wall as somewhat as well. And I'm going to say Ryan Newman wins. I'm going to just gonna He's going to completely upset the apple cart. And uh, and what's probably his last season in NASCAR, we're gonna go with that. Yeah, I would love so. to see that. I would love. I'd be a fan. I want to see something <laughs> crazy. I yeah, want to see. Me new, too. Give me Suarez. Give me Suarez for the win. Ooh, Track that would be a good going one too. nuts. Yeah, they would lose their see, mind. I want to see Pitbull dancing in pit lane in pit lane yep. of Daytona. Yep. Pitbull in pit lane. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's one track he'll show up to. It's close enough to Miami, so he'll make the sure. trip for sure. Uh, all right, let's move on to some other action this weekend. Uh, still up in that part of the country in Minnesota, NHRA was at the Brainerd International Speedway. The drivers are ready, the fans are packing the stands, and it's time to race. Time to dial it in and make it quick here, folks. Just two of the top levels of NHRA, Top Fuel and Funny Car, were in action this weekend. Very odd that they didn't have motorcycle class or the pro stock class 
but they've been changing things up a little bit over the last couple of years as well with some of that. But either way, some of the normal people finishing at the top of the step, Steve Torrance and top fuel wins his seventh race of the season, clearly the front runner going into their playoffs and probably hating the fact that things will get reset in a couple of weeks because he has such a large lead. And then Matt Hagen making it interesting at the top part of the funny car uh, points with his, I believe, third win of the season. The guy from Christiansburg, Virginia, getting it done this past weekend in Minnesota. That's it for Dialed In. Let's head off to high side, low side. All right. Every week, every show, Brad and I try to determine our highlights and our lowlights from the previous weekend's action. And uh, we'll start with highlights for me. Um, I realized what it's, I kind of had this, I wouldn't call it an epiphany, but I was able to appreciate someone on an oval, someone on an oval drive really well twice this weekend. We talked about Grosjean. And you kind of look at it differently because you know that that person is inexperienced at that track. You take it for granted that Newgarden and Dixon and Herda can do it because they're used to doing it. But when you see Mm -hmm. someone brand new pick it up that fast, you really appreciate not just their ability, but what it takes to drive on an oval. It gets a bad rap because it's like, oh, just turn left the whole time. But there's so much more that goes into it. And then that was backed up on Sunday with what Blaney was able to do over eight laps at a track that is really tough to hold people off of based on the two lanes that really work at Michigan. And all day long, we really didn't see anybody able to hold cars off. They would give way and then try to battle back. There wasn't really that moment. And for eight laps, you saw, you saw somebody who admittedly at the end of the race, talk about how in the middle of all that going 198 miles an hour, uh, he's thinking about the air game. He's not thinking about the right lane or turning the wheel at a certain rate of speed or whatever. He's thinking about how can I take the draft away from Byron to make sure that he can't get a good run on me or that if he does, he just pushes me forward instead of him getting uh, kind of around me. And that that's the yeah. stuff that you just, and, unless you make the effort to listen and to watch, you don't realize it. You don't realize how skilled you have to be to race at that level and to race on those types of tracks. And even if it is an oval, there's a lot more that goes into it than just turning left. And it was really nice to see that in two different forms of racing, but still feel that same level of uh, confirmation that, you know, I'm a fan for more than just the, the spectacle, the sponsors or whatever. I'm a fan because of what these people are physically able to do and knowing that there's no freaking way I could just hop in there and do the same thing. Yeah. You really, you really have to have a skill for it. You really have to have a talent for it. All the talk about people paying their way to the top, those drivers, even if they've paid their way most of the way, they still have to be able to do it. Let's let's be real. The people at the back of the field in a NASCAR race are still pretty damn good race race car drivers. They just don't yeah. have good equipment. They just don't have the same opportunities. So I, I think that was that was a big moment for me to just take it all in, no distractions and really appreciate the craft of racing. 
Yeah. Boy, it's hard to follow that up, Joe, because you're exactly right. I mean, it was it was awesome to watch both of those, you know, get I, I watched the majority of the NASCAR race and I'm getting to watch all of the IndyCar race. And yeah, I think it, it's definitely it's, you know, it's it's so fun to get to see that type of just that type, that type of racing at that speed. Right. It was different for us this weekend. Usually we're watching at least one of them, and especially with all the NASCAR road road courses this weekend. So. Yeah, I, I like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna share that one because I, I don't really have anything else to follow up on with that. Like that was the highlight of the week, other than just watching two really good races on ovals. Well, we're, it seems like we're gonna share our low side too, uh, because I'm actually some... I've, let me go. I think I know what your low side is gonna be. So yeah. let me go first. I got something different. Really brief low side. Hmm. I hate I hated that Brad Kane's never won in Michigan. I was watching it on that last restart. <laughs> I thought he was gonna. I thought. I thought he was going that low line that he and Blaney and, and, and was Kyle Bush were up there. Right. I thought they were going to get up and it makes sense. I think he was going to make it happen and skunked again. You think about all the wins that he's had never won in his home state. So boom, I'm bumped low side. Yeah. I was, uh, you sent me that text. Like he's, he's going to get it done. Um, and I was, and just, then he gets I, wasn't, out to I, wasn't, dry. I wasn't being, overly competitive but i was like yeah the real penske driver gets the win that's what i'm talking yeah, about yeah, let's, yeah, let's yeah. go let's go <laughs> yeah. um so my low my low side goes along with a tweet that was sent out today as we're recording on tuesday so if you want to see it you want to be a part of the conversation head over to twitter at one lap down pod and numbers came out this weekend for viewership of the indycar race and the nascar race the cup series race to be uh transparent to be fully factual and i'm just so i I don't know what indycar needs but i i just want to find a way to help people understand how technical and how beautiful that racing can be and what and really why we are enjoying it so much and why jason loves it so much and why i still say that those drivers are the most um impressive in the world because they can take an oval they can take a road course they can do it all at the highest rate of speed possible and make it look effortless and to know, to know that they got only 430,000 people tuned in to that night race uh, in uh, on Saturday night. I know that's somewhat of an issue sometimes because people were doing stuff on Saturday nights. I get that. But 430,000 people is like the size of a, probably even smaller than a metropolitan city. Like you can't even get that many people to tune in to a national broadcast. Whereas NASCAR three o'clock on a Sunday for a a race at Michigan gets 2.1 million people to watch that. So I realize that NASCAR is more American than IndyCar. I get that. I don't ever really expect IndyCar to outpace NASCAR unless it's the Indy 500, but there's gotta be something that they can do or that fans can do, or something's got to be different, changed. Maybe NBC can do that gets it more in front of people because it is truly a masterclass when you watch the way that those drivers are able to handle every single situation. The awareness that's needed when a a sudden change happens to get out of the way or try to avoid something at those high rate of speeds, it is phenomenal. And I think more people should give it a chance to take a whole whole day watch the race, not to mention they're shorter than NASCAR, by the way. So you don't have to sit there for three or four hours and take it in and, and really respect what's going on, because I think that could really change the dynamic and boost that uh, experience and those numbers in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're going to get your wish because here we are. 
We're going to Portland. And it's September 12th. We got 3 o'clock Eastern time on a Sunday. They're going to race at noon West Coast time, 3 o'clock East Coast time. So, you know, there, there we go. We'll see uh, another interesting place. I don't know if they're if, – have they ever been to Portland? We got to look that up. It doesn't seem like that's a place I've heard of them racing before. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about that. Um, that would be great for the, for the area. Um, I do know that they don't have a deal in place for some type of Drive to Survive series, but they do have their first ever official video game coming out next year, so maybe that'll help. Um, perhaps. I don't, oh, yeah, I'm getting it too, for sure. But um, <laughs> that's, that's some of the things that are missing, right? Like no one knows who drives an IndyCar. Like the average yeah. person, they, they probably know Castro Neves, right, because he won Indy 500, but they don't know it to the depth of which we know. And so there's a, there's a gap there that needs to be filled uh, by somebody, PR company, somebody uh, needs to do some work. So anyway, that's our high side, low side. The race is over. The checkered flag has been waved. We got the car on the trailer, but we still have some final thoughts to get to. And Brad is happy again because Spa is this weekend for Formula One. Starting till the 27th through the 29th, we'll have practices and qualifying back to a normal schedule with a 9 a.m. start time. The lights go out in Belgium. Brad, why is this your favorite track? Because of that massive hill coming out of turn one. <laughs> you, go, you, you go into this like just like crazy first turn and then you cut down and they go up this. You know, I, like, I, just, I remember playing it on the video game, right? Last year when we started mm-hmm. getting into this, we would, we would just you know, play these tracks and get to know kind of, it's a good way to know the track. I, and I just, I love the speed, like the, the elevation change. You've got a couple of good passing zones. I mean, it's just, to me, it's just, and it's beautiful out there too, where that is in Belgium. Yes. So, you know, I, I love that. And, and too, I think you, you were the one that showed it to me at first, I think. What year was it that it was just like this, like carnage of a race out there in the rain, Ooh. zero visibility. Definitely yeah. a, uh, uh, definitely like a uh, crazy, 98, I think. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll find it. Uh. Let's see. Yep, 1998, Chaos and Carnage in Spa. There you go. Look it up if you hadn't seen it. So, anyways, dude, somebody's head almost got taken off with a tire. You got to check it out. (laughs) Yeah, it's terrifying. Anyways, hopefully that didn't happen this weekend. But I think just watching, watching the way that like the grid, like you jostle position going into turn, massive braking zone, decelerating. And then you've got to hit that tight angle and then you're hitting full speed up that hill, blind up the hill later on in the race, especially where you can't really see like what's going on at the top of it. Like really, really challenging and fun to watch. I'm excited. Yeah. They call that the Eau Rouge uh, area on the track. Uh, of course, every turn and most F1 race tracks are, they have names for them. Uh, and just to give you an idea, I think it's, I don't know if it is the longest, race on the schedule but it's it's one of the longest 4.3 miles uh is the circuit length and they'll do 44 laps Dottrio Baltas has the lap record of one minute and 46 seconds to do four miles of racing which is simply incredible so that gives you an idea of the speed they can carry at that racetrack that they've been racing at since 1950 so that'll be fun to get them back on the track this weekend and start the drama chatter again with Lewis and Max and uh, see how things can go there. Last year it was a one, two, three. Max 
Valtteri, or excuse me, uh, Lewis, Valtteri, and Max finish. Uh, and then I'm excited for what comes after. You've got this track, then you have Zandvoort in the Netherlands, which they've never raced at before, uh, which would be another big Orange Army showdown. And then they go to Monza. So the next three races are heavy hitters on the schedule and have a lot of speed and should be a lot of fun for the Formula One fans around the world. All right, that's going to wrap up this episode of One Lap Down. We thank you so much for tuning in and hope that you, uh, if you have not already, follow us on social media, Facebook and YouTube at One Lap Down Podcast. And we're always on Twitter, ready to chat at One Lap Down Pod there as well. Until next week for Lap 36, I'm Joe Hutzler. I'm Brad Dunn. And we will talk to you later. See ya.